Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a worldwide community of people who are using the practices of mindfulness, compassion, forgiveness, and generosity to heal the pain and suffering that addiction has caused in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. This podcast is for all those interested in and all those already practicing refuge recovery to find freedom from addiction of all kinds. To support this podcast and your refuge recovery, please donate using the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Thursday night uh, refuge recovery talks. Uh, welcome to everybody who's new, everybody who's been attending. We've been doing this these Thursdays for a few months now. Uh, just to remind everybody, this is not a refuge recovery meeting. Uh, this is a offering of Refuge Recovery World Services. I'm uh, Noah Levine, I'm the founder of Refuge Recovery. Uh, Refuge Recovery meetings are peer-led, uh, and this is not a peer-led experience. This is um, me reading from the book. We've gone through the um, core um, philosophy and uh, teachings of the book and then having some discussion about it. Uh, we're now at the back of the book where we're going week by week through the guided meditations that we do in the refuge recovery meetings. And rather than me just guiding uh, a meditation from my own experience or from memory, I'm guiding the meditations that I wrote down in the book just as we do in the meetings so that then we can practice together in this um, standardized way and um, have some conversation about it. Tonight we are at the practice of loving kindness, uh, which is uh, the Buddhist word is metta, loving kindness meditation. And um, before we jump into that, I was just remembering this earlier chapter that we went through, chapter 13 in the book that is uh, starting on page 89. And I'm going to read that first, and then we'll do the meditation. So you can just listen. You can look at it if you want to, but also you can just listen to this as a, as a perspective that uh, I think is very much connected with loving kindness and all of the heart practices. This chapter is called The Path to Heartfulness. As we walk the path of refuge recovery, we gradually uncover a loving heart. This is a process of awakening and healing that could be seen as analogous to an archeological dig. In the early days, we remain on the surface. Mindfulness is our most important tool in the beginning and it will give tremendous relief. It acts like a metal detector that allows us to know that there are precious treasures beneath the ground. Mindfulness is also the shovel that begins to begins the excavation. But as we begin to dig, we will likely first encounter all of the layers of sediment that were covering the heart. The heart practices are a further refining of the soil. We may begin to sift through the rubble, hoping to immediately find treasure. But in the early days, we may end up feeling more unsettled during compassion and kindness exercises because we are just uncovering all, uncovering all of the skeletons that had been buried over the years of our addiction. We have probably become quite skilled at covering the insecurity and reactivity of our life, burying our hearts deeper and deeper. At the same time, each meditative effort of mindfulness, forgiveness, kindness, or compassion is another shovel full of dirt, each one getting us closer to the forgotten truth of our heart. Perhaps at times the heart practices can be seen as even finer instruments of archeology, span like the brushes that are used to gently sweep away the remaining dust covering the treasure of our own heart. Meditations are versatile. Sometimes you need a shovel doing the heavy lifting and other times you need something gentler, very subtle and refined to simply dust off the heart. But as we know, sometimes uncovering an ancient city takes a lifetime. 
There is no timetable that we can count on. There is no guarantee that we'll reach the forgotten treasure of compassion anytime soon. What is promised is that it is there waiting. And at times we can hear it calling to us, begging to be uncovered. The path of refuge recovery, if followed correctly and with persistence, will always lead to the recovery of our lost love and compassion, one scoop at a time. We feel that it is only fair to also offer a warning. The path to uncovering our heart's positive qualities is a radical one. It is fraught with the demons of the heart-mind that in Buddhism we call Mara. Mara is the aspect of heart-mind that creates roadblocks, gives excuses, procrastinates, and urges us to avoid all the unpleasant mind states that accompany the healing of awakening. Mara is the inner experience of all forms of addiction, greed, hatred, and delusion. Mara will attack with vengeance at times, for by committing to the heart's liberation, we are committing to face Mara directly. The Buddha spoke of his battle with Mara, and victory over Mara was won with the weapons of love, compassion, equanimity, and appreciation. After the Buddha's initial victory, Mara did not give up, however. Mara continued to live with the Buddha throughout his whole life. The Buddha was constantly vigilant, always meeting Mara with a loving awareness, always disarming him with the heart's wisest responses. We too can live a life of responding wisely to Mara, to our addictive patterns, to the pain of our past. Everyone has the ability to recover, love, forgive, and be compassionate. Ability is our birthright. The only issues are desire and willingness. Most people would readily confess the desire to be free from the addictions, hatred, anger, and fear that they live with. Although there are those of us who've been so badly injured and confused that they've lost all hope. Most of us have even created, uh, some of us have even created a belief in hatred as a noble and necessary quality. Our experience shows us that even the most deeply wounded and confused hearts are healed when the principles outlined in our program of recovery are applied. We welcome you to the Refuge Recovery Way. If you follow this path, you will free yourself from all the unnecessary suffering of addiction. You will inspire others to do the same. The practices in this book are not a quick fix. They are a map to a hidden treasure. You will have to do all of the digging yourself, hopefully with the support of teachers and community, but it is ultimately up to you to do the heavy lifting or letting go as it may be. Your life will transform as ours have, and together we will create a positive change in this world. So moving to the loving kindness guided meditation. Find a comfortable way to sit and allow your eyes to close. Bring attention to the present time experience of the body. Relax any physical tension that is being held in the body by softening the belly. Relax the eyes and jaw and allow your shoulders to naturally fall away from the head.
begin to reflect on your own deepest desire for happiness and freedom from suffering. Allow your heart's sincere longing for truth and well-being to come into your consciousness. With each breath, breathe into the heart's center that, that the acknowledgement of your own wish to be free from harm, safe and protected, and to experience love and kindness. Slowly begin to offer yourself kind and friendly phrases with the intention to uncover the heart's sometimes hidden loving and kind response. Your phrases can be as simple as the following. May I be happy. May I be at ease. May I be free from suffering. If those phrases do not mean anything to you, create your own words to meditate on. Find a few simple phrases that have a loving and kind intention and slowly begin to offer those well wishes to yourself. As you sit in meditation, repeating these phrases in your mind, the attention will be drawn back into thinking about other things or resisting and judging the practice or your capacity for love. It takes a gentle and persistent effort to return to the next phrase each time the attention wanders. May I be happy. Feel the breath and body's response to each phrase. May I be at ease. Notice where the mind goes with each phrase. May I be free from suffering. Allow the mind and body to relax into the reverberations of each phrase. Simply repeat these phrases over and over to yourself like a kind of mantra or statement of positive intention. But don't expect to instantly feel loving or kind as a result of this practice. Sometimes all we see is our lack of kindness and the judging mind's resistance. Simply acknowledge what is happening and continue to repeat the phrases being as friendly and merciful with yourself as possible in the process.
Now bring attention back to your breath and body. Again, relaxing into the posture. Now please bring someone to mind who has been beneficial for you to know or know of. Someone who has inspired you or shown you great kindness. Recognizing that just as you wish to be happy and at peace, and that your benefactor too shares the universal desire for well-being and love. Begin offering her or him the loving and kind phrases. Slowly repeat each phrase to that person with that person in mind as the object of your well-wishing. Just as I wish to be happy, peaceful, and free, may you too be happy. May you be at ease. May you be free from suffering. Continue offering these phrases from your heart to your benefactor, developing the feeling of kindness and response of love to others. When the mind gets lost in a story, memory, or fantasy, simply return to the practice. Begin again offering loving kindness to the benefactor. Having spent a few minutes sending loving kindness to the benefactor, let him or her go and return to your direct experience of the breath and body. Pay extra attention to your heart or emotional experience. Now expand the practice to include family and friends towards whom your feelings may be mixed, both loving and difficult. May you be happy. May you be at ease. May you be free from suffering.
Now bring attention back to your breath and body again. Then expand the practice to include the difficult people in your life and in the world. By difficult, we mean those whom you've put out of your heart, those towards whom you hold resentment. With even the most basic understanding of human nature, it will become clear that all beings wish to be met with love and kindness. All beings, even the annoying, unskillful, violent, confused, and unkind, wish to be happy. With this in mind, and with the intention to free yourself from hatred and fear and ill will, allow someone who is the source of difficulty in your mind or heart to be, to be the object of loving kindness meditation. Meet the difficult person with the same phrases. May you be happy. May you be at ease. May you be free from suffering. Now let's begin to expand the field of loving kindness to all those who are in our immediate vicinity. Start by sending phrases of loving kindness to everyone in this Zoom room. Then gradually expand to those in our own town or city, allowing our positive intentions for meeting everyone with love and kindness to spread out in all directions. Imagine covering the whole world with these positive thoughts, sending loving kindness to the north and south, east and west. Radiate an open heart and fearless mind to all beings in existence, those above and below, 
the seen and the unseen, those being born and those who are dying. With a boundless and friendly intention, begin to repeat the phrases, may all beings be happy. May all beings be at ease. May all beings be free from suffering. Now let go of the phrases and bring attention back to your breath and body, investigating the sensations and emotions that are present now. Then whenever you're ready, allow your eyes to open and your attention to come back to your surroundings. I'd ring a bell if I had one. Take a moment to stretch and to also just reflect. I think it's quite a good practice right after we finish a meditation and we're trying so hard to be present with the phrases or practice itself. Oh, thank you for that. Um, just take a moment to reflect on what just happened. As you said, the phrases uh, to these different categories, sending love and kindness to ourselves, the benefactor, friends and family, difficult people, all of those uh, different ways that it resonates in our heart and mind. Some, uh, even just reflecting what was the difficult part, where was there more ease? Where was there more sincerity? Where was there more challenges? And I just have a couple reflections, but I'm open for your experience. And, um, you know, and I, I think that it was pretty, any, any questions that you might have or comments. One of the reasons that I read that section, the path to heartfulness before we did the loving kindness meditation, because I think that there's some uh, important uh, information in there about this process that we're undertaking and some important warnings and, um, and, and I really like this perspective that we're not creating something new. 
we're recovering something that's always been here. Love is not uh, something that we don't have. It's just something that perhaps has been buried. Kindness isn't foreign to us. It's just something that we haven't uh, had much access to um, or compassion or forgiveness or any of these qualities that in Buddhism are called heart qualities and that these practices are helping us excavate, uncover. Um, and each time you say the phrase, even if you don't mean it yet, it's uh, helping to uh, uncover our heart, which you know, from the Buddhist perspective, a, a human and heart and mind is the same thing. Um, but a uh, this quality that we all beings, uh, and, and human beings, have um, at the core, which is loving and kind and compassionate and generous. Um, underneath our instinctual drive towards greed and hatred and delusion is a natural goodness, is, is the Buddhist perspective, is a, a Buddha nature, an enlightened potential. And um, the practices of refuge recovery, the mindfulness, the compassion, the tonglen, the forgiveness, the uh, loving kindness practice we did tonight is all about helping us uh, recover not just from the act of addiction, but to recover our own uh, heart and love and, and the freedom that there is in being loving to ourselves and loving to each other and kind to ourselves and kind to others. Um, and that this is really you know, taking addiction recovery beyond abstinence from the substances or the process addictions and really going to um, living a, for lack of a better word, a spiritual life, a life of engagement with reality, with all of the pain of reality in a wise way and engagement with all of the pleasure of reality in a wise way. Uh, and so it goes so far beyond just um, physical sobriety and um, opens us up to, um, I don't know, sometimes people use the term emotional sobriety. I don't know exactly what that means, but I, I like the term emotional intelligence and wisdom and uh, compassion. And these practices are bringing us there. So uh, what's your experience with it? What are your questions about this aspect of refuge recovery. Um, you could raise your hand and I'll uh, call on you if you have a comment. Raise your hand in the, uh, I see you, Anthony. Um, so you can go ahead and speak. But if in your um, participant thing, there's a little blue hand that goes up on Zoom. But I see you, Anthony, you can go ahead and, I can't see everybody, so, but I can see Anthony. So go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, yeah, not so much a question, but an observation. Yeah, sure. um, very interesting when you said, uh, you know, kind of look towards the people that you have resentment to, you're hoarding a grudge towards. It's kind of interesting how difficult it was to actually give them a little bit of love because the mind constantly wants to go back to how they did you wrong or why you resent them in the first place. And then there's small glimpses of like, okay, yeah, I can love this person. I can, I can, I can be open to them. And all of a sudden you feel like you want to contact them and maybe text them or call them all of a sudden, you know? Yeah. Uh, it felt really nice and warm actually. Oh, beautiful. I'm glad that you had that experience. And um, I know, you know, of course, our minds just, and it's even in the instructions, like there might be a resistance. You might get lost in fantasy or a story about this person. Keep coming back to the phrases. Uh, keep coming back to uh, the intention. And my own encouragement is, uh, um, especially when they're difficult people, don't reach out too soon. <laughs> Do the practice for a while and really, you know, get a, a solid sense of forgiveness and kindness and compassion. Uh, I know myself, I've tried to make amends too soon to people and then fucked it up and had to make amends again for the way that I made the amends the first time. <laughs> so you know, I definitely have an encouragement. So like, let it kind of, let the foundation 
um, you know, let that positive feeling that you're talking about become more uh, persistent, more, more um, of an ongoing feeling of like, I actually have compassion for this person. I actually forgive them. I see my part in it. All of the stuff we do in the refuge inventories. Yeah, thank you for that. I'll take it. Yeah, welcome, welcome, Anthony. Uh, Tyler, go ahead, jump in. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I guess I have a, a a comment or an observation, and then a question to share real quick. Um, during this practice today, this was my third heart practice of the day, and I've been doing forgiveness practice with the Rebel Saints community. Shout out to y'all, and. Um, I noticed that someone I was offering loving kindness to, I ended up getting caught in a story like you were talking about. And um, what I noticed is that I started resenting them in the middle of the meditation. And what preceded that was a fear, a fear of something around a situation between us, you know? And so I've heard that that's fear and resentment are, are often connected, but I've, it's been, I've not experientially really noticed it until just that meditation. So yeah, it's just something I, I, I experienced in the meditation. Um, and then the question I had is sort of playing off what you were just talking about of um, emotional intelligence and how I feel like I'm stuck in my mind too much. And so um, I, I practice the hard practices frequently because I'm hoping to kind of reconnect with my emotional self, but I feel very emotionally numb and have for a long time. And if it's in addition to addiction, have lived with depression for a long time. And I wonder if you have any insight or advice um, about that, because I feel like I, I continue making decisions mostly from my mind and thinking place because I'm not often feeling connected to an emotional intelligence. Right. Um, I know it's there somewhere, but I, I just don't often feel it. So. Right. Um, thank you for that. One one question back when you uh, when your mind got in the um, story and then the resentment when you're doing the loving kindness, did you just come back to the phrase eventually when you caught yourself in that? Did you come back to the loving kindness phrases or did you shift to forgiveness? Um, I I kind of did both. I threw in a little forgiveness there. Um, which, which is fine make yeah. it your own yeah it's fine yeah and then came back to the, the practice okay, yeah i mean you know we learn all of these practices and then eventually we get to the place where um we're doing the wise response to what's presenting itself in this moment and loving kindness is sort of like always appropriate <laughs> there's never a time where loving kindness is not appropriate it's always appropriate to have this sort of goodwill towards each other always appropriate compassion is only called for in response to uh pain and forgiveness only called to in response to resentment <laughs> so then when when it's painful we try to have uh, compassion and when it's resent you know when we're angry or resentful or you know then uh forgiveness becomes our practice um the second part of your question my, my sense is mindfulness of the body is going to, you know, bring you into the body more. And that these practices, I love that you're doing a lot of heart practice. It's very important. But the way we're doing it also is a little bit keeping us in our head. We're saying words over and over in our head. Um, and so if you're recognizing, oh, I'm a little too in my head anyways, there's a way to bring it down, bring it down into your body. There's even a, a phrase after some of the instructions here where it says, um, uh, may I be happy, feel the breath and body's response to each phrase. May I be at ease, notice where the mind goes. May I be free from suffering. Allow the mind and body to relax into the reverberations of each phrase. But especially that first piece, when you're saying the phrase, rather than come drop the attention down into the body, feel the breath and body's response to the forgiveness practice you're doing with um, Rebel Saints, the loving kindness practice. Keep dropping out of your head and into like, what's happening in my belly? As I say, I forgive you, 
does the belly get tight? <laughs> uh, you know, if you know when, when and you if you're really paying attention to your body, you will feel a physical shift from um, that experience that you were showing, you were talking about where you're sending love and kindness, you bring them to mind, then you get into the story and then it turns into fear and resentment. You'll feel what's, oh, the fear is like a tightening in my jaw and my shoulders, my belly starts to get hard. And so the more you pay attention to that, I think the more it'll serve that very wise intention to become more embodied, not so much in our head, more emotionally, uh, somatically, the body present. And of course, this is the, the first foundation of, of mindfulness mm -hmm. is pay attention to your body. And so we can do a, a both and with the heart practices. Say the phrase in your mind, feel the response in your body. Say the next phrase, feel the response. And even if it's not feeling much in the beginning, just keep trying to feel it. Mm -hmm. Keep checking in with your belly. Okay. Yeah. Will do. Thank you. I, I hope that's helpful. That's been a lot of my journey with it myself. It is. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Joseph. Thanks. Um, I guess I, I had one question that may or may not be able to be answered, but, um, as far as forgiveness with other people goes, you know, I like do all right with it. Um, but as someone who is like raised Catholic, <laughs> uh, there's the like circus of guilt and shame and a lack of self forgiveness. So I just wanted to ask, you know, in your experience that I know it's different for everyone what what has helped you deal with guilt and shame um, stemming from addiction this practice helped has helped a lot the forgiveness practice and the loving kindness practice but as you know um, as it says in the instructions and we'll remind uh, each other over and over it's not a quick fix and that often it makes there's you know there's the warning like it's gonna sometimes it's gonna feel worse actually because of the that misinformation that we've been fed about our own worthiness or the ways that we uh you know born into sin whatever bullshit we were fed <laughs> right. that we that we took on um so sometimes these practices are it's going to be uncomfortable but if you keep going and you push through, eventually you're going to be uncovering, recovering a quality of your own knowing, of your own heart, mind, that's gonna feel like, oh, this is who I really am. Not that conditioned mind, religious dogma bullshit that was put on me, but this is my own direct experience of loving myself, forgiving myself, um, but it might, honestly, it might take years of doing the practice every day. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, to start. Yeah. The reality is it's not like very few people are like, oh yeah, I went from my Catholic guilt to total resolution and, you know, in 90 days, it, it doesn't <laughs> usually work that way. And my experience with this practice was that for the first couple of years of doing it, I couldn't even really mean it. Like it was uh, almost the tone in my own head was, was um, almost sarcastic. May I be happy? You know, it was like, I, it was so hard to take it in. And then a couple years in, it started to shift and I could feel in my body and in my mind that, oh, I'm starting to mean this. And then a couple more years in, oh, I'm starting to feel it, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, but for me, uh, the process was, it's been decades. <laughs> 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 but really, uh, the first few years were way, way more challenging. And then it became more sincere. Um, and, you know, that childhood conditioning is part of what we're referring to as Mara in that reading. Where we talk about Mara attacking with the doubts and the self 
self-esteem and um, you know, you're going to likely, all of us are going to likely live with some of that, those voices of you're not worthy. And um, what happens is we start to wake up and we realize that that's just a confused conditioned thought pattern and it's not true and it's not who we are. Um, and that's why the Buddha called that part of his mind Mara. And he started to meet Mara, his own confused mind patterns with loving kindness. And we can do that too, eventually with, with the discipline of the regular practice. Well, it's so nice that we also have each other to reach out to and talk to and really um, kind of say, hey, this is weird. I felt this. And, you know, we, we can tell each other like, oh, you know, that was a trauma event or, you know what, that doesn't define you as a person. And all of us being here together just talking through some of the, you know, many basic things and many, you know, it's not even sometimes the basic thing. It's knowing that you're not alone and a lot of us are going through a lot of the same stuff and, you know, having a community that says, hey, we support you, we love you, we can't change anything for you, but you know, all of us can say, oh, let's, let's try to focus on the tomorrow yeah. instead of the yesterday. Acknowledge the yesterday so we can all be here together to focus on the tomorrow. Absolutely. The um, normalizing uh, effect of Sangha, of community of like, oh, I thought I was the only one that hated myself. And then I'm in a whole room of people who admitted, oh, yeah, I used to hate myself. Right, I, I do. hated myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah Wait, what? You hated yourself? I hated myself? Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because what I, I love what you're saying is because, oh, and now we can all get around and have a pity party about how we all hated ourselves. We're you can't go anywhere from there the point is hey yeah we all share that same thing where do we go from here right? 100%. exactly you can't um but it, it's really hard and it's very difficult to feel I don't know if it's just my computer, Jenna, but I can't hear you anymore. You, you're, you, you're broken up. It's her. I can't hear her either. Okay. We, we can't hear you. I'm sorry. For some reason. But thank you. Thanks for, thanks for sharing with us. Any other thoughts before we end? Questions, comments, clarifications? Maggie, go ahead. Okay, um, thanks Noah. Um, so I had kind of posed this question in my Refuge Recovery Venice meeting earlier because we did the forgiveness med meditation and you know, I was come to that difficult person, um, specifically one person and I guess, you know, like I'm pretty new to refuge recovery. I've only been doing this like a month and a half, almost two months, but um, I'm, I'm starting to be able to forgive myself and forgive other people for, for like hurt, hurting me through unskillful acts and that kind of thing. But like, what if like, is there an answer? Like if somebody harmed you like repeatedly on purpose <laughs> how do you find that forgiveness and i guess like i i'm understanding that like the forgiveness forgiveness of those people are it's more to like find peace within yourself but it's still like every time i i go to like offer that person forgiveness in my meditation i 
I, I end up almost like having a panic attack and I have to like go back to just the basics, focusing on my breath. Um, I mean, is there any like extenuating circumstance in Buddhism, like where, you know, we don't forgive everyone or like how, or if we do, how do you, how do you find that forgiveness if, if you know, if someone's wronged you, you know, and, and it's just like unimaginable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's so I'm, I'm gonna give someone an out. If someone does something to you that's unimaginable. Maggie, uh, um, Jenna, please, uh, if you have a question, you can raise your hand. Let me, let me communicate with Maggie. Um, so, so important question. And I was also reflecting on like, even in, it, I think that there's places in the book I'd have to look where it does encourage us not to go to the most difficult people, not to certainly not to start with the most difficult people, but to let um, forgiveness be a skill that you develop long-term and that it's quite okay to set aside the really difficult ones for, you know, for a while. Um, and and I, I didn't catch exactly how new, you said you've been doing refuge just for a few months. Yeah, I'm a little under two months, like. And, and a couple months sober or already sober? Yeah, same, I, I started refuge the first week of my sobriety. Yeah. So, about two so um, I can't give you a clear timeline of like, well, in six months or in a year, or I can't tell you exactly when. Mm -hmm. But what I can say, my perspective is um, right now, focus on yourself, on forgiving yourself, on doing, you know, we say in the beginning, mindfulness and forgiveness um, alternating, but mostly keep the forgiveness just with yourself and with the annoying people around you that, and that, that big abuser, that big, uh, you know, difficult person, set it aside for now. You'll get there and you do need to get there eventually, but you don't need to do it now. Okay. Um, expect, you know, you're new, like build your foundation in staying sober, staying in recovery, developing the meditation practice, coming to the meetings, do, you know, and, and do the inventory uh, and, you know, and that stuff with the, the big resentment, a lot of, you know, in a lot of different areas, it'll come out in the inventory, you yeah, get more information. Um, eventually we will come to the place where we have enough compassion that we can see the pain of our enemies. We can see their confusion. We can see their ignorance and we'll be able to eat and, and all of the ways that it caused us harm. And having compassion for our own pain and the ways that it caused us harm, we'll still be able to meet our enemies with uh, compassion for their confusion, their pain that spilled out onto us. And, um, and there's no rush. Okay. Um, you know, don't, I don't know what your addiction is, but I'll just, you know, don't drink about it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, don't use about it. Lot, but alcohol, yeah, I'm the most dangerous on alcohol. So, yeah. So, and for now, mindfulness of the breath, coming to meetings, you know, getting the support, uh, do the forgiveness. Here, in my experience, I've shared with many people, is that in the beginning, I was given this advice. I was, I was told, um, start with the uh, um, uh, people that you want to forgive. Okay. And then, um, you know, you can like almost make three lists of here's the people that I want to forgive. Okay. Here's the people that I would consider forgiving at some point. And here's the list of people that in this moment, it feels impossible, like no fucking way. Yeah. It's okay. okay to have, it's okay to have those three lists. Now, my experience was eventually everyone that I wanted to forgive, I through the meditation, through making amends, through all of that stuff, I came to the place where like that list was pretty clear. And then the maybes moved over to like, oh yeah, I want to forgive them too. 
-hmm. And the nevers moved over to maybes. And this is for me, I was, you know, years in. Okay. So <laughs> it's know, really not like months building in, years skills. in. Yeah. yeah. Building and up the forgiveness skill. Building then... up the forgiveness skill. Yeah. So we don't need to land in like, yeah, some people you just never have to forgive. Just set it aside for now, knowing that with that sort of openness, like, yeah, maybe you'll get there. Yeah. And it is definitely our encouragement, the Buddha's teaching encouragement to get to the place where we don't need to hold on to any hatred towards any living being. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. I'm just about out of time. We are out of time. Sorry that I didn't get to all of the questions. And uh, I will be here next week. What, what are we doing next week? Um, does it go to compassion or does it go to forgiveness? Appreciative joy, even better. Next week, we're going to party with happiness and joy. Um, so I hope you guys have a good week and enjoy your week and do loving kindness every day, all day, all week, and then um, come back next week. Uh, these uh, Thursday night sessions are uh, kind, of, kind of a fundraiser. They're a benefit. Any donations that come in go to the... Uh, Refuge Recovery World Services, please be generous if you can. Uh, make a donation, five, 10, whatever you can give. Support the organization that supports the organization. <laughs> um, and pleasure to be here. Happy to be of service to you. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Refuge Recovery Podcast. To learn more about our program of recovery, and to connect with others on the Refuge Recovery Path, visit our website, refugerecovery.org, where you will find information, meditations, and links to both in-person and online Refuge Recovery meetings. This podcast is brought to you by Refuge Recovery World Services, a nonprofit created to support our network of refuge recovery groups around the world. Thank you for listening.